Hello lovely and welcome to Notes from a Small Room, the podcast from Salamnico, hosted by me, Alexandra Spear. And thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I haven't made an episode in quite a while uh, because a lot's been happening um, behind the scenes, but I really hope that, um, yeah, I hope that you enjoy this episode. And as always, I hope that wherever you are, you feel safe and you're having a good day. And if you're not having a good day, then I really hope it improves. And always remember that if you feel like you're going through a rough patch, things do get better and you never know what tomorrow will bring. So it's always worth hanging around for another day even if you feel like it's not worth it. It is. So this episode, I wanted to talk about the path. So we've talked before about self-love. We've talked before about um, using your voice and understanding what your authentic voice actually is. We've talked about the pressures of society. We've talked about depression Uh, There's a lot that we've covered, um, but we haven't yet talked about the pressure and the the kind of term of the right path and what that means and the pressure that we put ourselves through trying to constantly find the right path and be on the right path. And as always, I say right path in little quotation marks, because in all honesty, there is no right path. Everyone has their own path. This is like um, being back in school when everyone would be like, oh, but you know, they're so much better, or oh my gosh, you know, you can't date them, you know, they're not cool enough, or you know, like being in certain lanes. I've said this before, there is no lane. Like, there, there is no... There is no real hierarchy when it comes to people's choices, people's lifestyles, people's, you know, relationships, because everyone is different. So there there can be no lane because if everyone was the same, then yes, there might be a lane. Then we'd be like robots and we'd have, you know, different, um, or different ratings and things like that. But we're animals, we're humans. And therefore, each and every one of us is completely different and wired differently. And from a neurological standpoint, we've got differences dating back to our genes and then how we grew up and DNA blueprints. So when it comes to life choices, there is no right and wrong. There are morally right and wrong choices But these have been handed down to us from, you know, religion and then political um, kind of motivations, um, economic standpoints. So when it comes to it, there is no right and wrong. There's only this little grey area. And that's not me saying that, you know, I condone the use of extremism or murder or you know um, cruelty or any of that stuff because that's 
extreme. I'm <laughs> I'm talking about choices like um, settling down, getting a job, um, making a certain amount of money, and then you know buying a house, getting family. You know the right path, but not every path is right for every person. So for example, um, if you've got a sibling, chances are you know they're very different to you, even though you grew up probably in the same household, you probably had the same style of parenting or the same kind of style of being brought up. Um, You probably went to the same school um, up until a certain age Um, and you probably have lots in common from a DNA, genetic, parenting blueprint kind of point of view. But you're very different people. And so if someone who you grew up with can be so different to you and probably have incredibly different interests and different ambitions, you probably choose different people when it comes to relationships, you probably want different things from life. If you can be so different to that person who you grew up with, what about everyone else? And so that's why when it comes to it, no one else can tell you that you are on the right or wrong path because they aren't you, because they don't know what you want. They don't know what your motivations are. They don't know what inspires you. They don't know what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning. And maybe even you don't know. Maybe you haven't yet explored different options because you've had this right path thing shoved down your throat since you were a child. And something that uh, might make you think differently about the right path, which I would say stereotypically revolves around, you know, going to university, getting a economically sound job afterwards that allows you to pay for pension plus um, accommodation plus a nice car plus, you know, a nice lifestyle um, plus holidays, um, you know, gives you a chance to explore relationships. And as I've said before, like, you're pool that you have open to you in terms of relationships is incredibly dependent socially on the job you have, the place you live, what car you drive, all of that stuff. But that's down to biological signaling. Um, And of course, biological signaling, we might not realise it, but it's ingrained into our politics, into our religion, into our entire economic blueprint for our society so wherever you are in the world whatever culture you are whatever ethnicity the right path thing and all of your politics etc etc the entire economy revolves around uh, biological signaling so the more attractive your signaling is the more economically valuable you are. And again, this does come back to the right path thing. Um, So the right path 
you've probably heard of in religious terms. So there is a right and wrong path. And this is from a moral standpoint. So the right path is, you know, um, oh, going to church every Sunday or, you know, mass or, you know, saying your prayers every day, um, being good to people, doing charitable work, um, you know, uh, doing to your neighbour as you have wished done to you, um, all of that stuff. And then the things that we would call maybe morally wrong in terms of religion, etc., are things which actually make you less useful to the economic system. So things like gluttony, um, you know, the basically the the seven deadly sins in Christianity. So things like, you know, um, drinking a lot, partying a lot, um, having loads of sex, um, you know, like being frivolous with your money, uh, not being, you know, charitable, things like that. That in, let's call it the olden days, um, because I am of that generation that calls anything, um, kind of further back than 1980, uh, the olden days. Um, and that basically meant that you weren't useful to society. So you lived outside the bounds of society. Unfortunately, this kind of thinking has trickled down into today's society, where, of course, a lot has changed. There's been a lot of um, kind of breaking of these stigmas, um, such as you know, um, drinking, you know, you, you can enjoy drinking socially, um, obviously, you know, binge drinking, um, drinking to escape, um, and alcoholism, these aren't positive ways of drinking, these are usually, um, a consequence of trying to numb something in your life, um, I won't go into that now. That can be another whole episode. Um, and things like, you know, having loads of sex. If you have loads of sex with different partners, then that means that, you know, if you get pregnant, then you don't know whose it is. And, you know, you you won't be in that um, kind of nuclear family thing, which isn't for everyone. But socially, and biologically, that's seen as, you know, a huge threat. Um, and so we've labelled that as morally wrong, even though having sex is completely normal and having sex with lots of partners is generally what happens with other species in the wild um, and us being the slightly anal species that we are um, with our suits and ties and rules. Um, we've labelled that as morally delinquent. Um, and you can still see that in the terminology that is used, especially within each gender. Uh, there's this huge disparage. Um, disparage? I've said that wrong. Um, but yeah, there's this huge difference between how we label promiscuity between the genders. And I've probably mentioned that in another episode. But it's very interesting when we're talking about the right and wrong path Harking back to that, there is this huge difference between the two genders. And 
I'm talking about that um, from a cisgender standpoint. Um, So the right path for a man is not necessarily the right path for a woman and the right path for a woman is not necessarily the right path for a man. Think about all of that um, kind of advertising, all of the labelling that we've grown up with, um, especially if you're kind of Gen Z or pre-Gen Z, um, you're going to know that there's this huge, huge difference between the narratives that are acceptable for a man and the narratives that are acceptable for a woman in terms of choosing the right path. And that is, again, why there is no right path, because this right path um, kind of conversation is incredibly influenced by stereotypes. You know, the right path for a woman is to maybe not even get a good education, just be able to cook, be able to clean, be useful, be kind, be nice, all of those words. Um, And to then, you know, find someone, um, her kind of, you know, let's talk in biological terms, her mate, um, you know, have sex, have loads of babies, um, but not have sex for just enjoying having sex, to have sex, to have babies. Um, and then to raise those babies into good humans who serve their economic purpose and carry on that cycle. The role of the man and the right path for a man is very different. It's definitely much more to do with, um, you know, asserting dominance, um, being powerful, um, being assertive and, you know, playing the field, um, gaining power economically. But again, that's not for his own enjoyment. That's to be able to support the woman who he decides to settle down with and then have children with and then to be able to support that family and to um, increase his economic value and therefore um, his biological usefulness. And there is this huge, um, oh, this huge pressure upon both genders to procreate, to settle down, to buy a house, you know, to be economically useful. Because an individual who doesn't want to play the game, who doesn't get or doesn't want a job that um, pays a huge salary, a person who doesn't want to climb the corporate ladder, um, who doesn't want to, you know, go out and play the economic field. And by that, I mean consumerism, because without consumerism, you have a, um, you have a less stable economy. Um, so for example, without consumerism, the economy in the West wouldn't work because that is so reliant upon people going to university, gassing out loans um, for the countries that offer loans, uh, for the countries that don't, there are higher taxes. And so if someone doesn't want to do that, and if someone doesn't want to 
buy a house or, you know, um, rent a place and then move up the rental ladder. Uh, for someone who doesn't want to settle down, have a family and having a family, it does mean that then you are buying a bigger place, you're buying a bigger house, you're buying more things. Um, there's more pressure to go on holiday. You know, you have to buy into the whole school thing. The right path when you look at it and when you look at it from a realistic point of view, it comes down to some um, some very logical factors. It comes down to being biologically useful. It comes down to being economically useful. And it comes down to being socially useful. So biologically useful. The right path is all about falling in love, having children, settling down, having a family procreating (laughs) being economically useful is buying into the system of consumerism so uh, buying cars buying homes um, buying things upgrading these things um, buying the newest of everything and then socially useful is all about being a good citizen. So do you vote? Do you participate in local boards? Do you, you know, um, do you give back to your society in a way that is deemed socially useful? And that differs from culture to culture, from country to country, from society to society. It's all very different. But those three factors are what certainly I've found um, are deemed the right path. And the wrong path is quite simply going against that. And I don't mean that in a way of extremism or rebellion. It's very simply saying that doesn't make me happy. And seeing it for what it is and saying, that's not for me, I want something different. And something different can just be that you freelance and you travel around the world constantly. Um, Whether that's backpacking, road tripping, um, just kind of, you know, hotel hopping. And another huge thing is saying that you are happy by yourself that is deemed often the wrong path because it is not economically useful, it's not socially useful, it's not biologically useful. And a lot of, in fact, basically all of the narratives that we are told through pop culture, through um, movies, books, etc., is that there is someone out there for you. There is someone who is just waiting to settle down with you, love you, you know, have babies with you, make a family. And that want is biologically ingrained. So it's no surprise that most of us do end up settling down, having children, etc. Falling in love. Falling in love is a chemical thing. Um, Yes, there is something deeper involved, but it's pure biology. And saying that you are happy by yourself... 
and saying that actually you don't want to have children. Of course, there are cases where you can't have children and that's a very different conversation. But saying I am happy by myself, I do not need someone to complete me and I am making a life for myself where actually I don't really want someone else there. That is deemed the wrong path for the three factors that I've already labelled. And bear in mind, this is just a different viewpoint. This isn't even the right viewpoint because everyone's viewpoint is very different. This is just what I found and what I found looking at all of the factors and going through each one and going how does this link to the right path whatever you decide to do with your life so long as you are not hurting other people so long as you are happy so long as you are content so long as you are at peace that is the right path It doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. No one else has to agree with it. No one else has to even like it. It just has to work for you. And that is the basic narrative of what the right path should be. You don't have to conform to any social norms. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to be biologically, socially, economically useful. Do no harm, but take no shit. That is probably the best way of putting it. And there is also this huge fear that we carry around with ourselves that I spoke about at the beginning, that we are on the wrong path. But there is no path. It's just this one long journey that we're all doing, made up of all these little short stories. It's not one huge story with chapters. It's little short stories all put together. And that is our narrative. And within those short stories, you can do whatever the hell you want. (laughs) Yes, there are limitations. And if you decide to live outside of the kind of social norm, there will be different things that you have to juggle and different limitations that you have to push through but as long as it makes you happy that's all that matters and that's all that the right path should be the right path should increase your self-love it should increase your um your internal algorithm as in it should align more with your authentic self and what you authentically want And everything that you do on your path should be a huge hell yes. Many people say yes to things because they feel that they should, because they feel that that is the right path and they live the rest of their lives in quiet desperation. Then, of course, you have um, people having midlife crises because it suddenly gets to a stage where they realise that the right path that they were told would be the right path wasn't the right path for them. And by then they feel it's too late to start again. Some people do. So 
no matter what age you are, no matter what you are currently doing, no matter who you are currently with or the financial situation you are in, there is no right path. There is just your path. And as I said, and I will reiterate because I don't want someone sound biting this and um, taking me to court for something, so long as you do not hurt anyone or anything, there is no right or wrong path. And I hope that one day we can live in a society where that is realised and where there isn't this pressure put on people from a very young age to conform to something that A, we have outgrown and B, just doesn't fit into what most people want. And with that, um, I'm going to end this episode. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer, do send them in. Um, I'm not actually going to answer any questions. Um, From now on, I'm just going to do the episodes um, and kind of run with them. But thank you so much for listening. I really hope that wherever you are, uh, you've enjoyed listening to this episode. And don't forget, the One Step Workbook is now out in a physical format. Uh, You can buy it on www.solemnico.com. Um, the feedback I've had from it has been amazing. Um, so you can buy it in ebook format and physical format. Um, and as I said, the website is www.solemnico.com. If you want to follow me, um, and find out what's happening at Solemnico, just follow me on Instagram at Solemnico. Um, and of course I always love hearing from you so do get in touch and hopefully I will have another episode of Notes from a Small Room out soon and you can keep up with the blog on the website Um, and yeah I look forward to doing another episode soon thanks so much for listening look after yourself bye